live from the Haymarket Pub and Brewery in Chicago, Illinois, this is Bug House. and downs and this whole thing that he could push his Thomas the Tank Engine around and have this great adventure. And, and it was great and we had so much fun doing it. And then he turned like two or three and didn't like the way that I built the train tracks anymore. He didn't want the adventurous track. He just wanted a small circle to push the train around. And I said, dude, this isn't fun. This is not a good train track. There needs to be some action happening here. And he was adamant. No, I want a circle. That's it. I'm like, but this, he's, Thomas is going to get the adventures that he gets on the TV show. I don't care. Yeah. And we would fight. We would argue about how to make the best toy train tracks. And that's kind of what so much conversation is like today. It's like arguing with a toddler. Because like to each their own, right? But let's face it. A small circle train track is a stupid train track. That's a fact. That's a fact. So, how many, how many of us have ever argued or tried to reason with a toddler? Like, show like applause. It's applause. It's insane, right? Like, they're insane, you're insane. It's stupid. And that's kind of what we do now. And all that ends up happening is that everybody just goes cr crying to grandma, and we end up hating the other person. Like we just hate the other. And it's not, this is how we debate online, but it's not just online. It's in the bars, it's in the car, it's in living rooms, it's everywhere, everywhere that uh, any kind of topic of any sort of polarization, any polarized topic will come up. And like these days, almost every single topic is polarized. But not tonight. Tonight we're going to use, we're going to put all of our opinions aside, all of our preconceived notions, all of our preloaded witty comebacks to whatever the topic is, we're going to put that aside, we're going to talk about reason. This is the art of the dialectic. So just like in Buckhouse Square, Washington Square Park in the mid-20th century, today we're going to debate the topics of the day using reason and no emotion. We might end up learning something from each other. Okay. So our topics of the day are people. Are they inherently good or are they bad? Inherently horrible. Boycotting. Is it effective? And then finally, you're wrong, I'm right. Our debaters tonight are Lauren Reed. Let's give her a round of applause. <laughs> Mr. Dave Belden. <laughs> AJ Miller. <laughs> Lindsay Lenae Williams. <laughs> Brett Dworski. <laughs> and we were going to have a, a very funny guy, uh, Peter Kremitis, but he ate some bad Sonic and has been pissing out of his ass for the last 24 hours. So I'm going to take his, take his side of the argument. So I will be debating Brett on the topic of whether boycotting is effective or not. And I have no idea what I'm going to say. So. 
to be going first tonight. We decided that earlier behind our curtain. And Lauren will be debating that, uh, that deep down, at the end of the day, people are magnificent. Lauren Reed. Philosopher and economist, um, 
describes empathy as changing places in fancy with the sufferer. And empathy is a shared experience. It creates a bond, and it is inherent in humans and many other mammals. We're all born with empathy. There are many studies suggesting that at six to eight months, infants begin to show emotional and cognitive reactions, suggesting early signs of empathy when presented with situations that elicit an empathetic response. It's how any of us can truly care about another person. Empathy is how babies survive. It's why your mother didn't throw you away a thousand times when she probably wanted to. In fact, empathy is so ingrained that the natural response to a person who lacks empathy is to assume that they're dangerous or mentally ill. And people that lack empathy probably are. So cooperation. Cooperation is so deeply ingrained and inherent in animals that almost all species rely on it for survival. Humans are highly social animals and have to cooperate in a society that maintains security, health, income, and connection. Our cooperation begins with family, friends, and coworkers, and it branches out from there. This is good because it ensures our survival. Yeah. And the knowledge that people have your back and you have theirs. It's a great win-win support system. It also plays really well, surprisingly, with the human's innate self-interest. Cooperation and self-interest go hand in hand because cooperation protects um, our self-interest of survival and success. Of course, our self-interest is still there waiting to come out, but if we weren't largely cooperative within our many circles, we would be left behind in solitude to fend for ourselves. So cooperation works very well for us, even more so than being selfish assholes, and we inherently know this. So to prove my point, um, a group of researchers from Harvard and Yale performed a large study where they had people play 10 different economic games where cooperation led to a greater group outcome but less personal gain and selfishness led to a greater personal gain but a less ideal group outcome. They wanted to see if people's automatic impulse was to act selfishly or cooperatively. And whatever a person's automatic response was, that would point towards the inherent response in that person. And what they learned was that when people were given as much time as they wanted, those that acted the fastest were the most generous and cooperative, and those that gave themselves time to reflect were less generous. When people weren't given time to reflect at all and had to decide very quickly, they were far more generous overall. This shows evidence that the inherent reaction in humans is to work for the greater good of the group. It's when we have a chance to sit and think about it that our self-interest starts to take over. Another study at Yale took a large group of infants and showed them all individually uh, the same puppet show with three characters that were represented as shapes. And one of the shapes is struggling to climb a hill. Um, another shape shows up to help from behind and push. And the third shape arrives to push from above on the hill. And after the puppet show, uh, the children were presented with the helper and the hinderer shapes. And overwhelmingly, the infants reached for the helper. The researchers believe that this suggests that even as infants, there is an expectation about how people should act and a preference for cooperation. Thank you. I'm pretty much almost done. Okay, so look, in the end, good doesn't always win, and that's okay. Because we need evil to remind us why we need good in the world, and why we need to be the good ones to combat the evil ones. It's really easy to see the evil, especially after this past weekend, but good is everywhere. And I promise you, if you start looking around at everyone that's just trying their best, trying to be empathetic and cooperative the best they know how, 
you'll see good thousands of times more than you'll see evil. Good just becomes mundane because it's commonplace, and evil gets more pressed because it isn't as prevalent in our everyday boring lives. That's because most everywhere you look, people are being inherently good. Thank you. And I hear, she, now here's Dave Belden. Sorry, I'll turn it down. She's not as loud as me. Um, to argue the other side of that, that humans are God's biggest mistake. Yeah. All right. I cannot express how excited I am because over the past couple weeks since uh, David assigned me this topic, I have been overwhelmed by this deep, dark despair. But in the next few minutes, I get to unload it all onto you. And then I can resume the carefree complacency with which I've grown accustomed. You people suck. <laughs> it's true, and you all know it, and here are seven reasons why. Number one, we are selfish, gaping mouths who consume and exploit all the resources we can extract. Number six, War, genocide, murder. Basically anything involving the unnecessary deaths of our fellow humans. Some will quibble with the term unnecessary, those who see certain wars as having been beneficial to those of us who survived. But I'd argue that each and every war since the beginning of time could have been avoided if only we weren't such selfish, gaping mouths who consume and exploit all the resources we can extract. <laughs> Number five, rape, torture, mutilation. These might seem the same as war, genocide, and murder, except that rape, torture, and mutilation typically leave the victims alive. This is so we can all be reminded of the psychological terror we're inflicting on the weaker person, culture, race, or even the countless other species with whom we share our planet. Number four, the saxophone. <laughs> Number three, guns. I was going to talk a lot about guns, but then we had these shootings over the weekend, and they who know better suggested it was too soon to talk about guns. How we created them in order to aid and abet all the war, genocide, murder, rape, torture, and mutilation I've already mentioned. I'll go ahead and lump in other great technologies like nuclear weapons, conventional weapons, chemical weapons, biological weapons, hell, cyber weapons are pretty awful. They who know better like to say it's for defense or protection or in case someone else with weapons attacks us first. But of course they'd say that because guns are also fun and exciting and loud and powerful and psychologically manipulative and fuck you, I like how it smells when I'm oiling my Glock. <laughs> I don't know if you actually oil a Glock, I don't know guns really. <laughs> I do know bullies. Anyway, it's too soon so I'll just skip to number two, money. Another frankly brilliant human invention that allows us to control resources control people, control armies, control plumbers and politicians and employees. And it's brilliant because money doesn't exist. We just all agree that it exists. It's this nice, 
clean medium that allows us to exchange resources without getting our hands dirty or having to think about the strip mining or the oil extraction or over farming or exploitation of people who don't understand money. I mean, fuck them if they can't figure out how interest rates and inflation and mortgage-backed securities or, or what, what those things are or why they can't live where they grew up because now it's too expensive. Yeah, life sucks too bad. Hey, check out my new car. It's awesome. Yeah, leather, injection, turbo, horsepower. I got the navigation package too even though I use my phone because I'm worth it. <laughs> and that brings us to number one. We choose to live this way. We humans, all of us, choose to be awful. Even those of us who believe we're virtuous and charitable and kind and woke and enlightened, we overpopulate this little planet. We strip its soil, its trees, fresh water, minerals, oil, gas, fish, cows, pigs, chickens. We don't have to kill and maim our neighbors or enslave them or place a value on them and call it a minimum wage or a tip or a salary. We don't have to buy up all the land and call it real estate and tell humans or animals who lived there previously that they're no longer welcome. Thanks, bye. We don't have to allow fewer and fewer wealthy humans to control more and more of the power and land and money we know better. We're taught what's right and wrong, what's good and bad, by our religions and our schools and the humans who came before us. We know in our souls that we're worth just as much or just as little as everyone else on this planet. And we know in our souls that we shouldn't even be thinking about the value of others. But we've become so accustomed to assessing worth and value, and what we can get out of a transaction that we conveniently and antiseptically forget, that we're often assessing people who are less capable of defending themselves. We do this through middlemen and corporations and the they who provide us with some separation. So we're not reminded of where our meat comes from, what chemicals are sprayed on our crops. Oh, it's too bad about the bees and butterflies and birds and babies and how the fruit pickers are, are treated. And gosh, if only they could stop going to war. If only they would listen to me. If only they wouldn't cut me off in traffic and make me mad. If only they could choose to live better. We choose to suck. We know we could do better, but we don't. And that's why humans are scum. <laughs> Are there any questions in the audience for either Dave or Lauren or both? Yes, uh, sir. Yeah, I got a question for Dave. Uh, you, very compelling arguments, but uh, do you think it, it's more a result of people's conditions that they live in rather than what humans are actually like? Just as like if you, if you have pets or other animals that you place in yeah. horrible conditions and they act horribly and if you have them domesticated and they, they can get along with animals they usually don't get along with. 
So the question is, uh, if your kid's a dick, is that your fault? <laughs> no. The question is, uh, are, is the scum we become a result of the conditions we were put in versus what we are is inherently? So like nurture versus nature? Um, I'm good at writing these things down. I'm not sort of thinking I'm up on, on the spot. Um, I think, for me, my view of the world at present is that there are so few people who are controlling so many resources and therefore controlling the conditions in which so many people have to live. Um, and I don't, well, I'm trying to, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't truly believe, I don't think, that we are inherently evil. Um, I, I do think this is a choice that we have every day. And right now, I'm not really sure we're making the right choices. And I think the less power you have, the less choice you have in the matter. <laughs> Did you? Mine's, yeah, mine's a real simple one. Yeah. Do you think you're uh, looking at this maybe from a far too American perspective? Is this for Dave or Lauren or both? For Dave, I'm sorry. For Dave. So the question for Dave is, do you think you're looking at this at, as from too much of an American ex uh, experience of point of view? Um, I do, yeah. Um, and I, I was thinking this exact thing as I was writing. I was like trying to think beyond that. And I, I uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I don't live in Bangladesh or Australia, so I don't know. Really, I know, I know what I know from the news and what I hear, and you know. So it's, I think that's part of being more empathetic and, uh, you know, learning more. All right, one last question. Yes. For Dave, how could you leave out the harmonic? <laughs> Actually, there, there's this amazing harmonica virtuoso. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> that or a torpedo. It's still a harmonica. That's awesome. And for what it's worth, Tom, I can play both the harmonica and the saxophone. So, yeah. I am scum of the earth. I, I get it. You're glad at that. You're like a steely dancer. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like steely Dan. Is steely Dan bad? Is steely Dan what makes us awful? Really? <laughs> Maybe for next month that'll be like uh, a Steely Dan awful or great, right? Yeah. Okay. We'll deal with that. We'll deal with that in September. We'll deal with that in September. Okay. Thank you both. All right. So, Judge Rob, what do you think? Are people inherently awful? Are we with Lauren or are they scum? Are we with Dave? Well, the good thing about it is they unpacked a lot of subjects that are worthy of thinking about, and they opened a whole spectrum of. Possibility, and that's really cool. And I, and I liked what Lauren did to suggest that the fact that we can entertain these concepts kind of is a plus for us. It shows an opening of human spirit in the world that's remarkable. And uh, Dave was just so great about expounding specific examples. And yet, even while he's talking, I'm thinking that maybe, and the person who's talking about the American perspective and the questions here, I thought really opened his argument very well to some weaknesses. 
that maybe everything we're going to with Trump and everything is like just a pimple on the ass of Satan, and it's gonna take a lot of effort to pop it. But when it's done, we're gonna think, what the fuck was that? So that's not an indictment. You didn't mention him. I think that's a great thing. You didn't mention him. I do like the saxophone. So it, uh, in, in fact, it's a really very close deal. You cited science, you had structure in your argument in a way that was more compelling. In the, the mundane aspect of goodness, that was brilliant. And yet, somehow I had to go with Dave's uh, winner. So Dave is the winner. People are scum. Okay. So we have Brett Dvorsky is going to argue that it does make a difference, and then I'm going to argue that it doesn't. So Brett Dvorsky, come on down. All right. And Brett is going first. I'm going first. You have my audio? Your prejudice mind isn't liberating. 
painting. You make fun of me just because I'm a Jew. So fuck your coffee shop and local places you brew, and I'll bring my friends, and we will not. Continue purchasing from job until you treat us like real folks instead of animals who are fun to poke. We ride around the block and gather our crew. It was a close-knit street full of other Jews. We painted our signs and made our slogan. It said, Jack's no more until Jews are adored. We marched to the shop, a unified group, and stirred our ground and refused the cold brew. The number of us grew by the hour to the point where we were hundreds boycotting for power. This went on for weeks and we never gave up. And Jack's took a dip because he couldn't make enough. It lost so much money they were going to close until Rick finally said he was wrong blocking my nose. They finally admitted that they knew they were wrong. They knew we were equal. They knew we belonged. So you see, boys and girls, boycotts do work. Just refuse to spend your dollars. Stand up and assert. You'll win the battle. I promise you that. And if you think I'm wrong, just ask Rick from Jack's. I won't buy your shit unless you do the right thing. Your prejudice mind isn't liberating. You make fun of me just because I'm a Jew. So fuck your coffee shop and all those lies as you brew. And I will bring my friends and we will not. Continue purchasing from your shop until you treat us like real folks instead of animals who are fun to poke. Thank you. Stop gas prices from rising. 
Are they? I don't know. Uh, here's something else, though. My boycott almost fucked me in the butt because, in a bad way, not in a good, like, exciting gay sex way. Um, and I was, I was on some road trip, and I was, I passed a gas station, and it was an Arco, and I was like, well, I'm blowing gas, but I can't stop. Let's wait till the next thing. I almost ran out of gas completely. And I would have been, I think it was in Utah somewhere. I think it was like Scootman Strand in the Utah desert. I would have been Mormon. I would have been Mormon. Not but because I was a Jew, the Lord let me go all the way. Anyway, um, I'm making this up as I go along. I did not prepare for this at all because the news came in at the last minute. So I'm just trying to think of like times when I boycott or when boycotts don't work. Um, remember the Dixie Chicks? Remember when? Yes. Yeah, right? Dixie Chicks are great. And what was it, 2003, when they, in tech, I think, no, they were in England, mm -hmm. and they said, like, George Bush is not our president, or, like, they shit all over George Bush in the Iraq war, like, they dumped on everything, and every hillbilly and country fan in America went batshit crazy, and they, like, bought the records and the CDs and the tapes and everything else, and they brought them to uh, radio station um, and, and, and record store parking lots, and they ran them over with their big F-150 trucks, and they burned them, and they're like, fuck the Dixie Chicks, and then they went and bought more so they could burn more, and then the Dixie Chicks got their, like, royalties, and it was like, oh, that's cool. And radio stations stopped playing them, and it was this whole thing. Remember that, right? And the Dixie Chicks went away for, like, two, three years. And then they came back with an album that won, like, five Grammys, something like that. Anybody know for sure? Like they, like they, yeah. I mean that. What was it? Long way. It was a great tour. Yeah, the long taking a long way, long way. Yeah, like probably their best album, you know, front to back, through and through, their best album. So what did boycotting get us? It just got people burning their own shit, breaking their own shit. What was that thing with uh, Kaepernick or the Nike thing? Like they burned their own shoes, and Nike's still making money. They're still putting kids to work. Like none of this has, has done anything to an impact change at all. Um, is anybody here boycotting Donald Trump? <laughs> How's that working out for you? It's fucking horrible. Yeah, it's not working. Um, Amazon Prime Day was a couple weeks ago. And I don't know if you guys have heard, but like Amazon is awful to their workers. There was this, was it on Vice News or John Oliver? Yeah, so we're familiar with that. Like they make their, there's no bathroom breaks. It's just like terrible working conditions. And Amazon Prime Day came, and I needed to buy some stuff. And I felt real, there's an Amazon commercial on the TV back there right now. <laughs> just fucking Amazon. This is my point. I, I didn't want to buy from Amazon, but I was like, I can save like eight bucks and make up for that money I spent at Arco 20 years ago. <laughs> but I don't feel right doing it. If I boycott Amazon, is that going to make them, they're going to go, geez, David didn't buy his ankle weights today. <laughs> I literally bought ankle weights. I'm primed in. For training, for the marathon. Yeah. So, they're like, David didn't buy his, they were in his cart, he didn't buy them on Prime Day. Do you think, do you think it's because we're not letting our employees go pee? I bet it is. Let's change that. Like, that didn't happen. That wouldn't happen. We can't stop Amazon. If all of us in this room just stopped buying from Amazon, we would just be inconvenienced, I, right? Because we'd have to go to the store. We'd have to, I've got, Katie set up, my wife set up a thing where every month I get my lactate pills because I'm a Jew and I can't drink milk. Um, that's a thing, people. 
Ashkenazi Jews, like they can't digest dairy, it's a, or the chosen people. Um, <laughs> so every month, I don't even have to buy lactate pills because they just show up at our doorstep every month. Like there were, you know, does anybody else have, have those things set up for you? Yeah, subscription stuff, thank you. Um, we have to go to the store, like, oh crap, I'm running out, I gotta go. They just, they just, I've got a, we've got a backlog of lactate pills now. I'm eating so much cheese. <laughs> if we were to stop them, we wouldn't, we could not break Amazon. We need them to buy our books, we need them to publish our books, we need them to read our books on the kit, like, we need them for, we need them to watch our TV shows, to rent our movies, to register for our, our birthdays and our weddings and our kids. Like, we need Amazon. We cannot boycott. Any kind of boycott will not stop them. Because eventually, even if the whole world was like, we're not doing, we're not doing Amazon today. Amazon Prime Day, the whole world's like, no, fuck it. They'll be like, all right, well, buy your shit tomorrow. When it's not on sale, dumbasses. That'll be it. So, boycotting has never worked in the history <laughs> of the world. I mean, there was like the Montgomery bus boycott, right? Like, that was effective. That, I guess, yeah, okay, I guess that started a revolution. That was kind of effective. But, but, it, what did he boycott? Grapes. We, we boycotted grapes. Grapes? You weren't around. I wasn't around. <laughs> and so what did that get us? Organized labor. <laughs> Whatever, our post sucks. Thank you very much. South Africa. Who was the woman that started the bus boycott? Rosa Parks. Make sure you knew. And it works. And it works. Yeah. All right. So, are there any questions for me or Brett about boycotting or either of our arguments? Arco is still around. See? Yeah. Fuckers. No questions for us. Cool. All right. Brett, I'm not going to have to ask. Okay. Okay. So I'll say something anyway. All right. So. You've got glass musical balls. It did a really nice job. It was one keen example. It showed how I think, although it might have been a total fantasy idea about how boycotts can work, it called to the world all the times it does work, and even the many reasons why you might want to try it, even if it doesn't work. So I don't think you won, and I gave it a nice shot. Yeah.
They're here to debate a really important topic that has plagued humanity since humanity crawled out of the primordial ooze. Uh, and that topic is, you're wrong, I'm right. So um, let's watch them break up. Lindsay, you want to first? <laughs>
keyboard so we could keep the fridge running. And I'm not going to talk about how I asked him if maybe he missed a switch, and he was like, no. And then I went for a run, and then he texted me during my run, like an hour later, saying, I'm such a dummy, I did miss a switch. Everything's back to normal. I'm not going to talk about that, because it would just be in poor taste. I just use it as an example of something that I could talk about. Another example I could use, recently as we walked down Clark Street with my dad in town, I saw the guest house hotel on Clark Street, and I commented about how new it was. It's only been there like a few years. AJ said no, because his friend's parents would stay there when they lived in Andersonville in like 2012-ish. And I was like, no, you're wrong. I used to live over here, and I remember it being new. He ended up Googling the hotel, and it opened in 2008. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Lindsay, you're wrong. And I'm not, because I realized that I thought the hotel was new because I only lived in Andersonville from 2017 to 2018, and I wasn't familiar with the area. So in my mind, the whole neighborhood was new to me, so how would I know that the hotel had been around for a long time? <laughs> Look, what I really want to talk about is the times. I want to talk about times I've been right when it counts. And I don't want to do this to you, but for the sake of convincing the audience to come to my side, here we go. Sour beers are disgusting. If we leave any window open in our apartment for a long period of time while we're gone, someone will break in and steal our TV and our cat. If the food or drink in the fridge is expired, it will kill me if I eat or drink it. You need to go to the doctor about your ankle. I get it, the swelling is really random, but you might have problems with it one day, and then you'll have some anti-inflammatories available if you need them. Look, I'm just looking out for your help. The female version of Ghostbusters was a piece of shit, but AJ hasn't seen that movie, so I just went by default. If both AC units in our apartment are on at full blast at the same time, all the electricity in our building, maybe our neighborhood, and probably the whole city will go out, and then our building will explode, and we'll all die. If I don't get enough sleep, I'm very cranky. Oh, we're actually, we agree on that. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and put that picture. Uh, the earth is round. Uh, tap water does taste different than other waters. Not worse, just different. Uh, and my last thing, uh, when we went to eat dinner last night, we ordered, uh, he ordered bruschetta before our dinner. Um, and it was way too much food. And I, I was totally full, like a fourth of the way through my meal. Now, did I tell him out loud that I didn't want bruschetta? No, but still, I'm, I'm right. So, yeah, good job. It was really good. It was good. Uh, now, I recently turned 40. You guys can clap now. Uh, that's a long time to be alive. It's 480 months and like lots of days. Uh, and it's five years worth of days uh, more than this guy. I mean, I've lived through Afghanistan, Kuwait, probably some other war, or that I don't remember, 12 seasons of road rules on MTV, so I know what I'm talking about. And as I get older, the more I realize that I am always right. I've also grown into my zodiac sign of Aries. We're courageous, determined, optimistic, passionate, and headstrong. Yeah, we have strong heads because we know what we're talking about. And as an Aries, I'm the first sign of the zodiac, so I'm number one. <laughs> as Aries, we're also impatient, moody, short-tempered, impulsive, aggressive. Okay, sure. Can I be stubborn? Yeah. Do I sometimes overreact on the CTA when people won't move or and yell at them? And especially when people won't move when I'm trying to get off a merchandise barn in the morning? Maybe. AJ said recently that maybe one day I might say something to the wrong person and he, could, he or she could possibly follow me or attack me. Hey, fair enough. But I'm right in that those people I complain about are assholes. I definitely overreact, but there's good news with that, actually. It's like this quote from Father of the Bride where Steve Martin's character, George Banks, is talking to his future son-in-law about his daughter. 
Andy is a very passionate person, and passionate people tend to overreact at times. Andy comes from a long line of major overreactors. Me, I can definitely lose it. My mother, a nut. My grandmother's stories about, or my grandfather's story about, stories about him are legendary. The good news, however, is that this overreacting tends to get proportionally less by generation, so your kids can be normal. Exactly. Look, I'm nowhere near as bad as my dad or grandparents. My dad used to, maybe still does, drive around with a bat in his car, which I guess is better than driving around with a gun. I don't know. Anyways, if someone cut him off in traffic when I was younger, he would tail them for miles, even if it was out of the way of our destination. Then he would pull over next to them and roll down his window and scream obscenities while I was in the car. Now, I've never done anything like that. Once when I was walking down the sidewalk, a guy in front of me had blown a cloud of cigarette smoke that hit me right in the face. And when I passed him, I said, thanks a lot, you just blew that smoke right in my face. He replied, then why do you walk somewhere else? And I was like, where? This is a public sidewalk, can't you stand still somewhere where you're not blowing this all over the place? And he was like, fuck you, and I was like, go fuck yourself. Maybe that was the best way to handle the situation. The situation. Or maybe I shouldn't send anything. But the moral of the story is that I was right. I was right that that guy was a dick. I'm right in saying that other people are idiots. So it's not just that I'm right and AJ's wrong, it's that I'm right and everyone else is wrong. <laughs> and in closing, I have to say the most important lesson I've learned is to admit when you're wrong. It's the growing thing to do, and it always lifts a huge burden off your shoulders. Now, I don't know what that's like, but I've heard that it feels great, so I'll be sure to do that the next time I think that I'm not 100% correct. And I'll leave you with this quote from Broadcast News. It must be nice to believe you always know better, to think you're the smartest person in the room. No, it's awful. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, AJ, it's your turn. You're right, she's wrong. <clears throat> Lindsay Williams just lied to you for seven and a half <laughs> After I finish my proclamation, it will be clear who is right, me, and who is wrong. Lindsay, <clears throat> what I am about to share with you is sacred and powerful. Prepare yourselves. <clears throat> To understand why I'm so right and Lindsay is so wrong, you must first understand who we are. Some of our friends in the room will be surprised to find out that Lindsay and I both practice a sigilistic form of chaos magic called Shedalimic C-Treeism, which praises allegiance to the demonic god the demonic polygod Shetalim and the god of luxury Citri. I myself recently ascended to the 78th Acarunic Prism, while Lindsay, no slouch herself, having recently ascended to Zuriel's Pantheridon. Yes, it's okay to clap. We're both very proud of our accomplishments. <laughs> For those who are unaware of sigilistic chaos magic, it is the practice of attaining unique synchronicities through the ritualistic practice of summoning demons and angels. I'm sure you all understand how that works to some extent. This is where I tell you why I am so right and Lindsay is so wrong. I also, I prefer you refer to me by my Licardial Abidha, or my chaos name, Barney Dung Town. Lindsay's chaos name is Felicia Titmouse. I want to be clear that Felicia Titmouse is not always wrong and I, Barney Dungtown, am not always right. We chaos musicians live by magicians, not musicians, magicians, live by the creed, nothing is true, everything is permitted. Most of the time it would be impossible to convince me that anyone is right about anything, okay? 
That is our sacred way. However, the other day, Felicia and I were performing a sigil ceremony with our young acolyte, Herman Turtlebunch. That's his chaos magic name. An acolyte is akin to an intern for those of you who work in the corporate world. As I... As a, preface, I, as a preface, I must intone, I had noticed and spoken to Felicia about her mispronouncements in sacred ceremony at least thrice in the years <laughs> before the tale I am about to tell. It is a sad tale, and yet, in the interest of winning this debate, it must needs be said. We had agreed earlier in the day that we would summon the demon Raum from the echo, echostatic, echo, I'm, I'm sorry, <clears throat> sorry. Echo, I'm, I'm very uh, I'm emotional. <clears throat> we had agreed that we would summon the demon Graum from the echo-stochastic perturium realm. This was when I first noticed that Felicia was just a bit off. Everyone knows Raum is the demon of filth and that he resides in the echo-stochastic perturium between the constant yawn and Baphomet's cul-de-sac. <clears throat> he resides in the outer seventh layer of the Dagriel Circle. So I had to giggle when, Felucia, when Fel Felicia, Felicia stood over Round Sigil and intoned the phrase, Furk Blas Da Bur Blau Django, Django Krill Sook. <laughs> I mean, everyone who's done the most basic chaotic summons knows that Furk Blas Da Bur Blau Django, Django Krill Sook is a retrieval spell for, for the Phalag, the demon of discontent who resides in the Elko. Canidrian pertusion among the farts of Baal and under the whirring vibrator of Azazel. It's a simple mistake, and I would have just politely moved on, but when our young acolyte Herman Turtlebunch heard the error, he graciously corrected Felicia. Herman said, I believe that the proper summoning phrase is Kurup, Kurup Daglan, Churu, Kolko, Kolar, Tongu, Chotam, Burke, which roughly translates to Squish, Squish, you small, cute beast thing, uh, cute beast thing, come, come, come now, put your small, filthy feet on our welcome mat, which of course makes sense for Raum. He's a cute little beast who spreads filth everywhere he goes. Felicia's recital of Furk Blas Da Burr Blau, Django Django Krill Suck, luckily wasn't a big deal, as Raum is a lesser demon and doesn't get too worked up when you recite an improper incantation over his sigil. But I assume he found it quite weird when Felicia spoke Phalag summons, which roughly translates to Welcome home, Prince of the Eternal Thigh Chafing. <laughs> Again, this was no big deal. All we needed to do was clarify Round Sigil by touching it with three progressively larger pieces of coal. Or we could recreate the Prophidian Roar, but that would have taken the newest version of Audacity audio mixing software, and our computer was out of battery at the moment. Just so you understand, 
what the perfidian roar is, I'll do it for you now. It's not gonna sound exactly right, but this is it. <clears throat> but oh no. Felicia Titmouse wasn't having that. I'm sorry to out you like this, babe. Though I tried to calm her and I confirmed young Herman was indeed correct and she was encanting the incorrect vernacular, my prideful paramour rebuffed poor Herman with a sneer and proclaimed again the injudicious idiom she spake moments before. A silence befell the room. It was in that moment I saw the flutter of a pernicious recognition wash over my lady love's visage. She had, without intention, performed what we in the chaos magic scene call a double whammy, <laughs> wherein a sigil caster inadvertently spaketh an infelicitous incantation twofold over an unfortified sigil. Needless to say, my beloved Felicia Titmouse was distressed and, and wordlessly expressed a tender mea culpa toward young Herman, our unseasoned but promising acolyte. As you probably know if you've studied the occult or watched the game, so, game show, Press Your Luck, a double whammy is, how should I put this, uh, not good. Basically, Felicia unleashed both the demon filth Raum and the demon of discontent Phaleg onto our unwitting acolyte, one Herman Turtlepunch. Now I know what you're thinking. Herman is in a word, fucked. Well, yes and no. These two demons only have a limited reach in our corporeal dimension. Did Herman almost immediately stub his toe and start suffering from unconscionable B.O.? Yes, he did. Did he, this Friday, fail to pass muster in his master's defense at Illinois University Champaign-Urbana? Again, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Herman's dishwasher now only makes food particles stick to plates as if they are concrete. But these are minor setbacks. Since the unfortunate incident, Felicia, the apple of my eye, has worked tirelessly to quell these demonic forces. She has gone so far as to bathe young Herman in the light of Carpathian diode. She has dissected a common squirrel and reassembled and reincorporated the beast in Herman's honor, one of the highest forms of cleansing and written on every surface in Herman's abode, Duntower, Mitic, Recto, in tiny ink. This, of course, is the chaos magic translation of get this curse out of my ass. So was Felicia Titmouse wrong and I, Barney Duntown, right? Of course, but please, don't judge her too harshly. I have been lucky, never, not even once to make the grave error my beautiful buttercup has made. But alas, it can happen to anyone. On a final note, Herman Turtlebunch wishes you all kind regards. He couldn't attend tonight's proceeding because, and I quote, a tsunami of shit just sprang forth from my toilet. 
Welcome to Chicago plumbing, young Herman. Thank you. <laughs> Who wants to live with them? <laughs> right? I do. Yeah. For like a week, yeah. Just like Airbnb out like, yeah, like breakfast with you guys. Um, any questions from the audience? Really, not a single question. Okay, yes. Did you roll a natural 20? Of course, man, I always roll natural 20s. What? The question was, did you roll an actual 20? Natural. A natural, a natural 20. 20. That's D&D speak. Right. I wasn't cool enough to play D&D. All right. Uh, any, other, any other questions? About Turtle, what was his name, Herman Turtlebunch? Herman Turtlebunch is our acolyte. Right, any other questions about Herman Turtlebunch the acolyte? Nothing? Okay, uh, do we have a ruling, Your Honor? You're very funny people. <laughs> he said you're very funny people, but you couldn't hear that. So, uh, it's nice the way you unify all the previous debates and what you brought forward and your, your, your expounding. It was interesting, I mean, you, you defined good and evil and you, 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 you talked about boycotting and blockages and things skewing and all that was just <laughs> And you were both, you both like had this parallel sort of generosity of expression that's exhausting. And, 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 <laughs> and engaging at the same time. Um, it's probably my, my own lack of, of vision or, or just desire for linearity that would declare the winner. All right, Lindsay's the winner. Lindsay is right, AJ is wrong. Thank you all for participating tonight. Thank you all for coming out. I hope you guys will be back here September 9th. We're skipping a week for Labor Day. And we'll, we'll talk to them. Thank you guys so much. Uh, stick around, have some drinks, have some food, hang out, and uh, we'll see you around. Thank you.